0: Are you ready for God's word? I know you are a third service. In fact, I'm thinking this might be the service we use for the recording because you guys were, you guys were just. I could feel the anointing in your worship. I could tell that you're you're crying out to the Lord and you're wanting you're wanting the Lord to know how much you love Him. And so I want to remind you of our sermon series title. It's it's titled New You. The The new year is always a perfect opportunity, a perfect milestone to be able to say, I want to do something new. I want to address some things that have gotten awry, gone awry, that have gotten out of whack, that have, have, you know, I need to calibrate my life again. I need to get serious about some things, recommit to some things, do away with some things. I need to, I need to experience a new me. How many of us know God is all about newness? He says, sing a new song to me. Behold, you are a new creation. I do a new thing in the earth, the Lord says. You know, God is, is about new. And today, I want you to know you can have a new you. And better yet, you can have your best year yet. You can have your best year yet. But how many of us also realize that we need to get our life going in the right direction if we want to have a great year? How do I get going in the right direction? How do I build that that, that elusive momentum, that big mo that everybody talks about. You know, how do I build momentum? Well, I've learned that, that getting our life moving in the right direction and establishing momentum is about two basic things. Belief and behavior. Confidence and conduct. If you have the confidence then you will have the conduct to go with it if you believe then you will behave in a certain way but what if you don't believe i always use my stage to indicate you know going the world's way going god's way towards the cross so i have confidence and then my conduct starts lining up i have belief my be- my behavior starts lining up but can it go in the opposite direction could i go lower and lower and lower or do I go higher and higher and higher? This means this loop works, this cycle works both ways. It can move you towards your goals or away from your goals. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. How many of us have ever had the privilege of being a coach or a teacher to students or to uh, players? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a good majority of us have had a chance, had the wonderful privilege of coaching or teaching how important is confidence and belief? I can remember being a student. I was, a, I was a, a freshman, and my parents moved us from a small city to a big city. We were in uh, second word Houston, inner city, uh, tough high school. But more than that, it's just tough to be the new kid, right? It's tough to be the new kid. And, and I'll never forget, I had a really I had a really bad algebra teacher. And I say she was bad because she thought the way to motivate kids was to shame them. And so she would go through the problems really quick, wouldn't take time to explain or take questions. And then she would call people up to the board to see if they can work them out. And when they didn't work them out well, she began to, she began to kind of ridicule, be, uh, um, put them down, kind of speak negativity over them. The class would laugh. And as the new kid, it was even harder for me. Because the kids really took delight in saying, ah, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I can remember her saying things like, you're not good at math. This isn't your subject. And so immediately I started thinking, I'm not good at math. This isn't my subject. And the more my confidence would, would, would wane, the more my confidence would deteriorate, it started affecting my behavior. How so? I was looking for ways to avoid that class. If you're looking for avoids ways to avoid the class, what are you gonna do? Huh? You're gonna skip. And I started skipping class. And so I started hanging out at the library and when the librarian said, hey, you need a permit to be in here. What class are you supposed to be in? Then I realized I had to go to the park. And then as I walked to the park, I figured, well, heck, I walked all this way. I might as well take two classes off. I might as well take three classes off. I'll skip half the day. Then lo and behold, I'm, I'm going to the park playing basketball. I'm going to the park playing baseball. I'm going to the park doing things that I am good at. Because I was told I was good at those things, but I'm horrible at math. I failed the class and I'm about to fail the year and my mom gets involved. I have a beautiful mother who well with an amazing father who turned 75 years old today. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, I, I sent him a text bright and early this morning, at 12 in the morning, and I said, I said, Dad, I just thank the Lord for having an amazing dad like you who gave me the greatest gift a father could ever give someone, and that is the knowledge of my Savior, Jesus Christ, and teaching me his ways and precepts. And I, I'm just so grateful. And I just say that, dads, because that's what you want, your children to call you and say, thanks, Dad, because I'm saved today because of what you you did in instructing me to the cross. Anyway, my mom comes and says, no, we're going to turn this around. And so she found the best teacher in the high school. And his name, I truly believe he was the best one. His name was Mr. Parker. I think he was the head of the department. And he said, I can help your son, but he's going to have to commit to coming early, giving up his lunch and giving up his, his after school. And my mom said, Salt. I said, whoa, wait a minute. What are we talking about here, Willis? You know, and so anyway, I started going and immediately he starts explaining it step by step, taking the time, asking me if I was, if I was tracking with him. And then he said, now you try. And as I tried, he said, wow, you're really good at this. I said, I am. He said, yeah, you're incredible at math. Incredible. And he said, you have a propensity for math. I said, I don't know what exactly, that's a good word, propensity. And And then he started to build me up more and more and more. And he said, I don't know why you're here. The truth is, you have an aptitude for this. You're incredible at math. You're great. You're good. You're this. You're that. And he just kept building my confidence. You know what it did to my behavior? You know what it did to my conduct? I didn't miss school one more time. My grades started going through the roof. I, made all, I, I was in the honors classes. I was making honor roll. I, I turned it all around. I got out of her class and into his class. And I went on from algebra one to algebra two to trigonometry to geometry, trigonometry, calculus, calculus two. I, I took extra math when I could have gone and taken extra PE courses or other things. I was taking extra math classes I would, and I'm not saying that to impress you, but to impress upon you that confidence really does. Come on now. Be, belief really does affect behavior. So what are we called to believe this? To have a great year, you need to believe. But not as the world would call you to believe. See, the world would say, have self-confidence. Or better yet, self-reliance. I want you to rely on you you, 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 and we're going to talk about a story that really puts puts it in the right order. See, it makes, it it does no good to put the cart before the horse. What do we mean by that? To make all our plans and to realize that's not what God had in mind. See, the Bible says there are many plans in a man's heart, but it's only God's purpose that will Prevail. What does that mean? The New Testament puts it this way, says, you're building all kinds of things in life, and this year will be a year of building. You're going to build something. My question is, what you build, will it survive and meet you in heaven? Will it have an eternal consequence, what you're building? That's what the Bible talks about that we're called to build for heaven, to use our lives for an eternal purpose. And so before we get ahead of ourselves and start making all kinds of goals, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you to learn from from our brother Moses. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter three. This is gonna go really, really quickly, but Exodus chapter three, we have a familiar story. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Hebron. Came to Horeb. Horeb, excuse me, to Horeb. The mountain of God. The mountain of God. So the Bible says that there in Horeb, there is a mountain that's called the mountain of God. Now, How many of you would love to go to the mountain of God? Amen. Amen. You know how many people want to go to the promised land? Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to go to the promised land. I want to go to the mountain of God. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you something else? When a Christian bows his head and bends his knee and humbles his heart to worship his God in the name of Jesus, he goes to the mountain of God. Because in the New Testament, there's a time when Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman and she says, we've been told that God is on this mountain or that mountain or what, where is God coming back to? Where should we worship him? Where is the true place of worship? And what does Jesus tell her? A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship in what? Spirit and in truth. And the spirit and truth is the humility of the heart calling for God. presence so that you might honor him. Honor him in humility and truth. And this is where this story starts because he, he goes towards the mountain of God and there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Now, something I want to highlight for you. This isn't the angel of the Lord. Many times the Bible says the angel of the Lord when it's talking about Jesus and Jesus a messenger from heaven. Was Jesus a messenger from heaven? Absolutely. He's a messenger from heaven. Now I want you to see something else. The voice is coming from within the bush, but the bush isn't God. The bush is not God. I want to make that clear. It'll, it'll come up even clearer in a minute. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, right? Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, what does that mean? That strikes me interesting because he saw it's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. Now, how many of you wouldn't quite receive it that way? This is what I'm picturing when I read this verse. Oh, yeah, there's a bush. Okay. Yeah, it's on fire. It's early. I'm just going to have some coffee. I don't know about you, but evidently our boy Moses has seen bushes on fire for no reason. Like nobody around, he's just tending his sheep, and poof, a bush catches fire. Would that freak you out? Would that be like, whoa, what's going on here? No, he just like, the bush is on fire. How long did it take for him to realize, hey, that bush is on fire, but it's not burning up, meaning it's not consumed it just continues to burn. I would figure that it'd be fizzling out by now because it's burning pretty good. See, this is just kind of interesting because I've been told, and, and even in the commentaries that I've read, that when it's really, really hot in some desert regions, that there is such a thing as uh, spontaneous combustion. I've never experienced that. And I guess Moses had because he's like, Poof, a bush is on fire. Cool. And then after an hour or so, it's like, wait, the bush is not burning out. Now, what kind of person would you be? Would you run over there to check it out? Like, would you have that much confidence? Would you just run over there? Let me check out this bush. Or you're more of a creeper. I'm more of a creeper. Now, don't take that out of context. Okay, we're going to have to watch that. I would creep up on the bush like, what is going on? I don't know if I'd have the confidence to just run up on it. I'd probably go, what is going, there's something. Because that's what Moses does. Now watch, 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 watch. He notices that it's not burning up. So Moses thought, I will go over to see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When Moses saw that he had gone, Uh, excuse me. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So the bush is burning, not burning up, Moses is drawn to it, he goes to look, and now God sees this whole thing unfolding, and he speaks to Moses from within the bush. That's cool. Why is it cool? Let me ask you this. Have you ever had that happen to you? Never? Let me put it to you in this context. Is there something in your life that has caught fire and it seems like for no reason? And at first it doesn't get your attention because things happen. Situations happen. Circumstances happen. Bad things happen. But then it, they just don't seem to fizzle out. They just keep going, and they keep gaining steam. And, and you've tried to ignore it, but it's gotten your attention. And as you walk over towards this and to start to really consider, how am I going to deal with this? What is this saying to me? You hear the voice of God. Uh-oh. You hear the voice of God saying, this was just to get your attention. But now in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of the fire that's burning in your life, I want to speak to you. Can I get an amen? Has God ever used a type of burning bush to get your attention? To call you over so that he might present himself to you. So Moses goes over and he hears the words, Moses, Moses. I I want you to understand something. God is making it personal. Why? Because he's a personal God. He's not just calling any old person. He's not just saying, human, human. Anybody who's there, introduce yourself to me. God's saying, I already know who you are. Can I tell you, if you know Jesus Christ, it's because he called you by name. He called you by name. You say, I don't remember ever having my name called. This is the way, it, this is what it means to have your name called. I was nine years old. The son of our role ambassador's leader was preaching. And as he preached the word in, a, in a, a children's church, I felt like he was preaching directly at me. And when he asked if anyone wanted to, confess their sins, and put their trust in God, in Christ, and that he paid the price on Calvary for me, would you stand? And even though something was saying, be shy, something greater heard my name, and I couldn't help but stand. I just couldn't help it. And then he said, come to the front, and I couldn't stop from crying. I couldn't stop from responding. God was calling my name. If you've never had that experience, say, Lord, call my name because I want to know you personally. Now, notice Moses' response. He says, here I am. That's just like he's a G because I don't know if I would have said, here I am. A bush starts speaking to you and you say, here I am. Come on, be real. I've always said, if you pull a gun on me, you're not going to shoot me here. You're going to shoot me in the butt because I'm going to run. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to take off. And if, you, if a bush starts speaking your name, sometimes our tendency is to. But Moses says, here I am. Notice the total surrender of Moses. He just surrenders. Here I am. That, that'll come up later. Keep, stay with me on this. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Listen, God is saying, you can't just run up on me any old way. I'm not just any old person. I'm not one of your boys. I am the king of all glory. You will honor me. And if you want to know God, it starts with honor. It starts with honor. We make Jesus Christ so, so ordinary that we treat him like one of us. And if we treat him like one of us, then we believe he's one of us. And if he's one of us, then he can't really help us. God is greater than us. And he says, if you want to know me, you have to honor me. That'll come up later too. Keep, stay, just, just keep that in your mind. And he says, I am the God of relationship. What is he saying? He's saying, look, I call you personally, but it ain't about you. I'm going to bring you together with others, and those, that collective calling will be greater than your individual calling, so that it will never be tempted Upon you to say, look at what I've done. Instead, you'll say, he took me, joined me with others, and all our imperfections were made perfect as he ministered through us. That's what God is doing here. He's a God of relationship, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm doing something far greater than just what you can do for me. I'm going to involve you in something epic. Oh, come on. Epic. This is huge. Watch. And Moses hit his face and was afraid. That's the natural response of humans when we really get to see how awesome God is, his awesome glory, his epic plan, and how he wants to do something amazing. He can't help but feel intimidated. Why do we feel intimidated? Because he wants us to, first of all, honor him and be humble. Honor and humility are the keys to having a great year. Why? Because it's the keys to connecting with God on a personal level. I'll show you. I'll show you. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. I don't know if you've ever read this this way, but this points to Jesus Christ. Watch. I have come down to rescue them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Watch this. Jesus, when he revealed himself, in the book of Luke chapter four, it says that he stood in the, t- in the synagogue and he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he said, The spirit of the living God is upon me. To what? To preach the good news to the poor. To set the captive or the imprisoned slave free. I have come down to set the captives free. Which captives? My people that are in bondage in Egypt. That's why Jesus came. That's why God was commissioning Moses. Now watch this. So now, go. You want to know another word for so now? Therefore. Therefore, go and make disciples, Jesus said, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you to the very end of the earth. He came down to seek and to save those that were lost. And then he commissions us, even as God came down and commissioned Moses to be part of that reconciliation ministry. That's what Paul says. We are part of the ministry of reconciliation. And Jesus said, therefore, go. Therefore, go. I'm sending you. Watch. He even says, and I will be with you. Watch, watch, watch. But Moses, verse 11, said to God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Wrong question. Wrong question. And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. I've come to set the captives free. Therefore, go and make disciples. And I will be with you to the very end of the earth. It's right there. Isn't this beautiful? This is beautiful. I, I, I get jazzed up by the Bible like this. I don't know about you guys. You're like, yeah, whatever. I hope not. I hope you're like, yeah, this is awesome. So God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Remember we talked about the mountain? And how the mountain is where God's people would bow their head, bend their knee, and humble their heart to honor God. To honor God, that's what we're doing here. And that's the sign that we belong to him. Why? Because we never would have done it until he changed our hearts and set us free. That will be the sign that they belong to me. That's why I really caution people to say, "I, I just don't worship. If you don't worship, you're not saved. You may not worship the way others worship, but worship is saying what? I bow my head, bend my knee, humble my heart to honor my king. And it can be through song. It can be through service. It can be through many, many forms. But I am a worshiper. Why? Because it's the sign of my salvation. Amen. It's the sign of my salvation. Amen. Here we go. Let's keep going. I'm never going to finish. I'm just going to be honest. I'm never going to finish. We're just starting out, and I'm just going verse by verse by verse. And it's like, wow. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and, they, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Moses is thinking here. Then what will I tell them, right? What should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. That's awesome. (laughs) Not I was. I was somebody different, but now I've gotten older. I'm going to be somebody better. No, I am. I don't change. I've always been who I've always been. I don't know how how awesome this is. To me, this is awesome. Why? Because I'm so sick of leaders In our great nation, waffling back and forth, they can't make a decision to save their life, and yet God is so refreshing when he says, I won't change my mind on you. If I promised you something, I'll fulfill it. I'm standing by my word. I'm a God of my word. Oh, that that feels good to know that. Watch, watch, watch. You know why it's I am? Because we don't have enough time, Moses, for me to tell you all that I am. So let's just say, I am who I am, meaning I am your provider when you need a provider. I am your protector if you need a protector. I am your sustainer when you start to faint. I am, how many needs do you have? That's who I am. I'm the meter of all your needs, so look towards me. That's big, because some of us are going, there's some things happening right now. Pastor, I want to get excited about this message. God is. God, is exactly what you need. Exactly what you need. But but you see, there's a stronghold in my family. God's your deliverer. I am your deliverer, he says. I'm the one who sets the captives free. So, So he goes on. This is what I want to highlight for you. Moses asks three fundamental questions of which God only directly answers one. He answers the other's But he goes a roundabout way to answer the others. There's only one that he answers directly. And that's the most important. And This is what I want you to focus all your attention on to build your confidence. Notice what Moses asked first. Who am I? If you build your goals for this coming year on who you are, they will be very limited. And they won't point you in the right direction. Watch the next question, who are you? This is the one he answered directly, I am who I am. I'm everything you're gonna need. So as Moses humbled himself to take that answer, why do you have to humble yourself? It's a a humbling to say, Lord, I'm gonna quit trying to do it in in myself, in my own strength, I'm gonna stop being self-reliant, and I'm gonna lay myself down And say, Lord, you're in charge. Here I am. Oh, yeah, that's easy to say kind of metaphorically, kind of romantically as we think about the new year. But I'm talking about practically saying, Lord, before I come up with any goals, before me and my spouse and my family decides we're going to do all of this, because this is the way we typically do. Okay, how much money do we have? Where do we want to be? What do we see? What do we believe? What do we, Lord, bless it. Isn't that how we do it? I got this great plan. Now, all I need, God, all I need is you to hook it up. If you would just, just like, bam, it would be done. And look how smart I am. All I need is you. God is saying, no, no, no. Know who I am. Because when you know who I am, it will change everything number one among them is your insecurity. And insecurity leads to pride and pride to insecurity. Think about pride. Pride is is an overcompensation. Why are you overcompensating? For what are you overcompensating? I'm overcompensating that somehow I need to what? I need to tout myself because I need validation. And without validation, then I'm le- I feel less than, and I don't like feeling this way. So then I come in the room proud so that people will know. What is all that about? How about humility saying it doesn't matter who I am, but I serve an amazing God. God, if you said it, it'll be. But but I'm fearful that his goal may not be my goal. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. That his plan for my business may not be my plan for my business. Oh, here we go. Here we go. That his plan for my life may not be my plan for my life. See, what Moses understood is that God was personal. God knew him. And he, ca- he caught on to the fact, God, you know me better than I know myself. You've got a perspective of me because you created me beyond what I could know. You know, psychologists talk all the time about being self-aware. You know how unself-aware we truly are? And God says, I know you from beginning to end. From beginning to end. I know what can really make you happy. Now, keep, keep going with me. He knew he was a personal God. He knew that he would be present in his circumstance. Why is this important? Because I'm not some random to my Lord. My Lord knows me. He knit me together. He's watched over me. He's particular about me. He loves me with an everlasting love. Therefore, I know that I can trust him. Not only that, he's not afar off. He's present. What did he tell Moses? I've come down. Jesus came down. Jesus said, I will not leave you an orphan. I will send my spirit to dwell not only with you, but in you. In you. So he's present. He's purposeful, meaning I have a purpose for your life. I made you, and i made you fearfully and wonderfully, and I bought you at the highest price so that you might serve me. Oh, come on. And Ultimately, I have the power to accomplish what I'm going to give you. So I want someone this week to say, more than anything else, more than anything else, I want to know what God has for my life. I want to build some God confidence. God confidence. Listen to what the Bible says about confidence. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that if he saved me and he started the renewal process in me, he's going to finish it. Yeah, but that happens in here. All the outer stuff, I get to take care of that. No! God will use every facet of your life to complete his good plan. Come on, I want someone. I know everybody can't do this because some people just hold on too tight to their own life, but maybe 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 there'll be one or two or three of you that say, "I'm going for it, pastor." I want to be I want to be a Moses. I'm young enough to really go for it. I'm old enough to really go for it. I'm going to do it. Lord, you're in charge. I'm so you know what I'm about to say? I'm sick of being in charge. I've seen where that, re- that road leads. See, I'm confident that you will take care of it. You'll, you'll finish the work you started. Now watch this. This confidence is faith. Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now I'm going to highlight a couple of things. How many of you like... Um, Or, 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 you know like to go kind of deep now this is this is deep for me watch watch this definition of faith is very abstract can you touch confidence and assurance no it's an abstract but i love the way the new king james uh interpreters interpret this verse because in the greek it has both meanings not just the abstract meaning but the very tangible meaning watch now, faith is the substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things we do not see. Tangible, you can touch substance and you can touch evidence, right? A murder weapon is evidence, right? If they put you on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Right? Evidence, watch. Abstract Tangible, non-abstract. Belief, abstract, behavior, tangible. One is defining faith from the belief side. The other is defining faith from the behavior side. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Belief is just belief. No, remember what James says. Faith without works is? Meaning you need both. Because what you believe will determine how you live. But all you're talking about is belief right now. Because if I can ask you to have God confidence, the rest will take care of itself. The rest will take care of itself. Here it is. You say, are you sure, Pastor? Just reading you what the Bible says. So you're telling me I need a mindset change. Because confidence is all up here. I need to stop looking at things the way the world does. And I need to look like these great men of faith have looked at things. Absolutely. That's why the Bible says. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't rely on self like the world relies on self. Instead, have a God confidence. Watch. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? With God's word. What does God's word do? It shows you who God is. Isn't that the fundamental question? Who are you? here I am. Find out who I am that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I can do all things. What? Renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Ultimately, when you're setting goals for a a year, aren't you saying, Lord, what's your will? But how do I know his will? How do I know his will? Renew your mind. Get a mindset that has a God confidence. But how do I get that mindset? Because I want to know his will. Go back to verse one. This is verse two. Let's start with verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer yourselves to God. That goes back to the sacrificial system that God instituted through his servant Moses. Now we're back to Moses. What did Moses know about the word offer a sacrifice? See, offer a sacrifice is a technical thing. You can put it on the altar, but it is not offered until. It doesn't become offering. You know how you bring offering to the Lord? It's not offering until you take your hands off of it. It remains under your control as long as your hand is on it. And God says, I'll wait until you want to give it fully to me. This is technical because the Bible is saying this. You look at the cross of Christ and in light of his example... Of mercy, him offering his life, giving it up fully to death, you should do the same. But not to die, to live for him. Take your hands off of your life. What does this have to do with humility? It takes an amazing amount of humility to say, Lord, I'm going I'm to relinquish control to you. I'm going to lay down on this, offering, on this altar and offer my year to you. My days, my energy, my finances, my dreams. I'm tired of telling you what I want. Lord, what do you want? Yes. Have you ever tried that once? My challenge is start there this year. I'm, put, I'm taking my hands off of it. In light of what Christ did for me, watch. This is You want a mindset change? Watch, here comes the mindset change. Now looking, uh, not looking to our own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Remember, renew your mind. Have a mindset change to look like Christ. The mind of Christ, watch. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he served others. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See that word humbled? This was Moses' transformation moment when he met God And he connected with the idea of honor and humility. He humbled himself. He offered himself. He said, here I am. I take my hand off of it. Use me as you wish, Lord. And that changed everything. You want to know how it changed? Read with me in the book of Numbers. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And this is what God says. God is highlighting this because some people very close to him, his brother and his sister started criticizing him. And God says, Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth. And because he's the most humble man, watch this. Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, reveal myself in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true with Moses. With Moses, my servant, he is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. I don't use dreams. Do you see this renewal of our mind? In light of Christ, take your hand off of your life, surrender it even as he did on the cross. He humbled himself, and then that mindset will be in you, and as you walk in humility, God will begin to get close to you and speak to you and lead you and show you. Keep going with me. If-then statements. If spiritually this is the best year of your life, then this will be the best year of your life, Pastor Chris Hodges. So I finish with this. My favorite story is about Jesus walking on water and Peter walking with him. Shortly before dawn, Jesus came out to them walking on the lake. That means walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. You might be terrified to give God full control over your life. Believe me, it's terrifying. This is the message that Marcos Witt preached 21 years ago in Reunion Arena where I stepped out of the boat and I gave God my life and said, Lord, I know I studied to do finance and international business and I had all these plans, but right here, right now, I lay down my life and I will gladly serve you till the day I die. Now, don't get me wrong. I feel like, again, God is saying, you need to get back on the altar, son. You want to have the best year of your life? Lay it down again. Lay it down again. But, I, but, but, but watch, it was scary. It's always scary. But listen to what the, what the Bible says. Is it a ghost, they said, as they cried in fear? But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Do not be afraid. What is God saying? He's saying, I want to reveal myself to you. Put yourself on the altar. Say, this year, Lord, I take my hands off of my life. You can have it all, Lord. Here I am, God. And Jesus will say, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you. You don't have to fear. There's nothing to fear. Then watch Peter says, if it is you, if, then. Here's the other if, then statement. If God before you, then who can be against you? If God is your provider, then why do you fear provision? If God is your protector, then why do you fear not being protected? You see what I'm saying to you here? It'll change your life radically. So watch watch, watch what happens. This is where we finish. If it is you, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Peter was beginning to know. Because Peter had already surrendered his life when he let go of his nets. And he's been walking with Jesus a little bit. And he's seen some pretty remarkable things. And he's getting in his heart. If this is you, then anything is possible. And so he says, if this is you, call me to walk on the water with you. And Jesus is one word. Come. I believe this year, some of you are called to say, Lord, here's everything. I stand open to be directed at your leading. Your leading. And God wants to reveal himself to you and then you're gonna say, Lord, if this is you and God's gonna say, come, move. I'm just gonna give it a little time to resonate with your heart. I can remember how I felt. I was 28 years old. I'd been praying for a year. And for the whole year, I said, Lord, I got one life to live for you, one. If you want me to be a businessman, I'll gladly do it. But if you want me to be something else, then I want to know. I want to know. so I'm firmly believing that as you approach this year from that standpoint, saying, Lord, I humble myself. I humble myself. I'm done telling you what I think and what I bring to the table. I want to know who you are. And God's going to use you as a teacher, as an administrator, as a manager. He's going to use whatever your circumstances, because Because this is what we'll see next week. Moses says, but what if this happens? And God says, look what's in your hand. You know what he had in his hand? An old shepherd's staff. He said, I'm going to use that little bit as a conduit to blow people's minds. And it'll grow your faith. And so God works that way. He says, I'll use the education you have. I'll use the strength you have. I'll use the knowledge you have. I'll use the age you have, whether it's a lot or a little bit. I'll use it. And I'll use that as a conduit to do something amazing. All you have to do is be willing to lay it down and say, Lord, if that's you, Holy Spirit, you, and only you, would have this to give. as I consider the gift of my Lord, that He gave His body to be broken and His blood to be shed, and I look at the mercy, the mercy sacrifice, Lord, I renew my commitment. I, I reenlist. I reenlist, I lay myself on the altar, this is for me church, and I declare this year, it starts and ends with what you want, I humble myself again to the place where I was, where I knew nothing, and I was completely dependent on you, Lord let me depend on you, in Jesus' name. praise and honor be yours Lord Jesus Amen Church I love you Have a great, great week